That's what the Holy Spirit creates in us. Movement. It brings spiritual power to our lives. There is nothing static about you when you are moved by the Holy Spirit. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode 172. Today we're going to be talking about living in the Holy Spirit. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you've tuned in again this week to listen. Have you ever wondered what it would have been like to be with Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper? There was a lot going on there. First and foremost, there was a deep reverence for celebrating the Passover. But there was also a lot of tension in the air. The disciples sensed that something important was going to happen. Maybe Jesus would finally assume his role of King of the Jews. During this time with his disciples, Jesus shared things he had never said before. He also confessed that one of them would betray him, and he said he would leave them. Now, there's so much more that took place in that meeting, and you can read about it in all four of the Gospels, and especially in John chapters 13 through 17, if you want a deep insight into what Jesus was thinking about that night. Now, We know what is about to happen, but the folks in the room did not. How would you have felt if you heard Jesus say all these things, not knowing what was going to happen? It created fear and uncertainty. I think it created confusion. To think that Jesus would be going away must have brought deep sorrow to the disciples' hearts. They didn't understand. Now, there's so many things to explore in this story, but what I want to focus on today is that Jesus told his friends he would leave them. This was not happy news, or at least they didn't think so at the time, but Jesus explained why he must leave and what would happen once he was gone. This is how he puts it in John fourteen sixteen: The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then in John 16, verse 7, he says, In fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, this word translated Advocate, that's the New Living Translation, is also translated Comforter, or Encourager, or Counselor, or Helper, or consoler. The Greek word itself is parakletos, 
our English word paraclete, it means one who pleads another cause before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will, among other things, be our defense attorney. That actually sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Several years ago, I wrote a blog post about this called The Holy Spirit, Advocate, Comforter, and Defense Attorney, and I'll have that link in the show notes. Now, you may be thinking, hey, James, this sounds great, but I'm not so sure the Holy Spirit has ever come to me. I totally understand that, and I've felt that way at times, too, because in the Bible, we read the stories of tongues of fire dancing on the heads of the disciples on the day of Pentecost. That's in Acts chapter 2. And we read about Cornelius and his friends and family receiving the Holy Spirit in a way that was visible to Peter and those who were with him. That's in Acts chapter 10. Or we hear someone at church on a podcast. Or we read in a book about someone's experience of receiving the Holy Spirit that sounds so incredible and we hang our heads low because that's never happened to us in some dramatic way. But the Bible gives a very simple litmus test that makes it clear how to know someone has the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. This is in 1 John 4, verse 2. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. Every spirit or person that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Apparently, the Gnostics and others were saying that Jesus was not a real person in the flesh. He was just a spirit. First John makes it clear that anyone who understands that Jesus, as the Son of God, was sent to earth and lived in the flesh as a human being, as the Holy Spirit. Do you believe Jesus was a real person living on earth for some 33 years? Then you have the Holy Spirit, even if you don't realize it. Yes, of course, Jesus was more than just an ordinary person. He was the Son of God, but he came to earth in actual human form. If you believe Jesus was just some sort of apparition or spirit and never lived as an actual human being, then you've missed some of the beauty of Jesus' purpose here on earth and will not be able to fully receive and live in the Holy Spirit. The reason I bring this up is that I don't want you to assume that you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life just because your experience is different from someone else's. And if you still feel you haven't received the Holy Spirit in your life, Jesus explains that God is inclined to give us this blessing. Now, he's talking to a crowd of people, but he specifically talks to the dads when he says, and this is in Luke 11, 11 through 13. Jesus says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is making it clear that God is ready, willing, and able to give us the Holy Spirit. We need to ask. And Peter says in Acts 5.32, that the Holy Spirit is 
given by God to those who obey Him. Every time you obey God, the Holy Spirit is with you. You are living in the Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit come? It's about obedience to God. It's about asking God to send the Holy Spirit. But there's something else that's really important to understand. Several years ago, I taught a class on the Holy Spirit at the Danbury, Connecticut Federal Correctional Institution. That's a federal prison. What came out in this class was something I had never noticed before. Every mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible has something to do with Christ. The prophecies and fulfillment of Christ's coming, the manifestation of Christ's nature and the life of Jesus, and the continuation of what I call Christ's cause after Jesus ascended. Now, the thing that really stands out to me is that the Holy Spirit never really came to someone just to solve individual problems or meet personal needs. Now, it did those things, but it always came in relation to the appearing of Christ, his ministry, and the preaching and acceptance of the gospel. So, don't try to invoke the Holy Spirit just to solve your personal problems. There's something so much bigger going on, and it's important to realize this. When you're praying about something and the Holy Spirit comes to you to teach, guard, guide, or heal you, It's not just to solve your situation in solitary. The situation becomes a witness to others of the power of God and the saving presence of Christ. These experiences lead you and hopefully the church to glorify, strengthen, and propel forward the cause of Christ to redeem the whole world. So, when the Holy Spirit solves and heals your personal problems, It's actually preparing you to share the gospel in a way that you haven't done yet. Now, there's so much more that can be said about the Holy Spirit, and there's no way I can share it all in this one podcast episode. The class I taught at the Danbury Prison on this topic took about six months, meeting once a week. About ten years ago, I wrote a blog post just giving a brief outline of what the Holy Spirit does, and I'll put a link to that page in the show notes for this episode. It's called, What Does the Holy Ghost Actually Do? At that time, I was still using the term Holy Ghost, but now I use the term Holy Spirit. And just as a side note here, I was recently asked whether it's more correct to refer to the Holy Spirit or just say Holy Spirit. Well, my initial thought is, I don't think God cares. But I always like to see how the Bible says things. The Bible almost always uses the article the in referring to the Holy Spirit. Jesus says the Holy Spirit, so do Peter and Paul. It's almost like a title, but it sort of depends on the context. If I was talking about a judge, for example, I would say the judge told the witness to answer the question. But if I were talking directly to the judge, I would say, Judge, Thank you for a fair trial. If you were talking about God, you might say something like, God is the Father of all creation. But when you're talking directly to God, you might say, Father, thank you for all your blessings. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. It's about the context and whether you're talking about the Holy Spirit or talking directly to the Holy Spirit. 
And that's why, as I said, I like to come back and see how the Bible deals with things like this. Sometimes we make things more important than they are. When a fellow Christian does or says something a certain way, and we respect them, it's easy to think they know something we don't, and so we just copy them. But one of my goals here at the Bible Speaks to You podcast is to encourage you to read the Bible for yourself and see how it speaks to you. Don't just copy someone else because they act and speak with authority. Now, I want to talk about something that is really important and sometimes gets overlooked. How do we live in the Holy Spirit? How do we let this presence influence and guide our lives? Just knowing about the Holy Spirit is not enough. You can read the Bible all day long study volumes of theological dissertations on the subject, but that doesn't by any means guarantee you'll be any closer to actually feeling the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. So how do we live in the Holy Spirit? Well, first we need to admit the Holy Spirit actually exists and is present in our lives, which is what we've just been talking about. And then it becomes a matter of surrender to God's will in your life. Every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, that's Matthew 6.10, you're actually repeating Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Not my will, but thine be done, that's Luke 22.42. Jesus gave up his own will to obey the Father. Every time we do that, we experience the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. Every time you forgive someone, every time you love your neighbor as yourself, every time you obey God and surrender your agenda to His, every time you feel inspiration in your prayers or Bible study, the Holy Spirit is with you, whether you realize it or not. Sometimes, unfortunately, We substitute the letter of the Bible for the presence of the Holy Spirit and think we're doing everything we can to be more spiritual and follow Jesus better. But just studying the Bible or articles or listening to sermons or podcasts does not automatically mean you will experience the Holy Spirit. Paul says to the Corinthians, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That's 2 Corinthians 3, 6. If we focus too much on learning the letter or words of the Bible, if we focus too much on always studying to learn some new idea, memorize a bunch of Bible verses, and turn our Bible study into an intellectual treasure hunt, we may very well be ignoring the Spirit. The Greek word for Spirit is pneuma. It can mean so many different things depending on the context, But it comes from a root word meaning breath or wind, and sometimes the word is actually translated wind. What's the first thing you think of when you hear the word wind? To me, it implies movement and power, either gentle or strong. That's what the Holy Spirit creates in us, movement. It brings spiritual power to our lives. There is nothing static about you when you are moved by the Holy Spirit. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Bible study is absolutely important, but we can't just always be studying the letter all the time. We have to get out of our prayer chairs and put the things we're learning into practice in our daily lives. The more you do this, the more you'll feel the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding you. And this is exactly what Jesus wanted us to do, to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Now let's go back to those two verses from John fourteen sixteen. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of, of everything I've said to you. And John sixteen seven. In fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Have you ever wondered why Jesus said this and what he meant? Why could the disciples receive the Holy Spirit only when Jesus had left them? Well, think of how they acted when Jesus was with them. They were always asking questions. They only went out to preach and heal when and where he told them to. They leaned on him personally for help. For example, when they were in a storm at sea and Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat, the disciples were afraid, even though Jesus was with them. Okay, he was asleep, but did they honestly think God would let Jesus drown? They woke him up to solve the problem because they didn't think they could solve the problem. But Jesus rebuked their lack of faith. This is Luke 8:25. He said, "Where is your faith?" I think Jesus is basically saying they could have used their faith to still the storm, but they didn't. He's trying to teach them to turn to the same source as he does, his heavenly Father, but they were leaning on Jesus personally to solve the problem. Just before Jesus heals the epileptic boy, whom his disciples had failed to heal, he asks them in a very stern rebuke, this is Mark 9, 19, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Jesus is basically saying he's not going to be around forever to help them personally with what he's given them to do. I sometimes paraphrase this as if Jesus had said to them, Look, I'm not going to be around forever to lace your sandals for you. You're going to have to learn to do this for yourself and put your faith into action more consistently and not depend on me to do it for you. I think one of the reasons the disciples couldn't receive the Holy Spirit as long as Jesus was still with them physically was because they would keep depending on him instead of learning to fly for themselves, so to speak. One of the reasons we might not be receptive of the Holy Spirit is because we're leaning on Jesus too much. Now, I know that may sound a little odd to some folks, but Jesus always encourages us to pray directly to the Father and not to Him. That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about, turning completely to the Father. That's what Jesus did, and that's what He wants us to do. And when we do, that's when we become aware of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There are so many examples of this in the New Testament. When the disciples received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they were imbued with a power not their own. They were guided and protected and preached fearlessly and effectively. And think of Philip when he explained the prophecy of Christ in the book of Isaiah to the eunuch from Ethiopia. This is in Acts 
chapter 8, verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Well, Philip was obedient. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he had given up his own agenda to do what God told him to. And once he got there, he saw a chariot. And so in Acts 8.29, the Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Philip heard the Spirit tell him what to do, and he was obedient. Now, as it turns out, the eunuch asked questions about the book of Isaiah. Philip told him about how Jesus fulfilled that prophecy, and the eunuch became a Christian. This is what I mean by the Holy Spirit propelling the cause of Christ. The eunuch takes Christianity to Ethiopia. And think of the time when the Christians in Antioch were praying and fasting to know what to do. This is in Acts 13, verses 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Here's a wonderful example of a whole church living in the Holy Spirit to such a degree that they all heard the message to send Barnabas and Saul on a special mission. This is not a mission that the church members voted on. They did what the Holy Spirit directed them to do. What would happen if your church lived in the Holy Spirit like this? Now, you may be thinking that sort of thing doesn't really happen today. It does, but it could be happening much more than it is. Barnabas and Saul, soon to be called Paul, had to give up their own preconceptions and surrender to a willingness to do whatever God wanted them to in order to spread the gospel of Christ to the world. That was their purpose. That was their goal. That was their vision. Usually, we just are trying to solve our own little personal problems. They had to give up any personal sense of power, intelligence, and ability and rely completely on God. The question you and I need to ask ourselves is this. Am I willing to let go of my agenda, my preconceptions, my opinions about what and how things have to be done and be completely willing to go where the Holy Spirit guides me? Is my church willing to do this collectively? There's absolutely nothing to be afraid of in this surrendering to God. The Holy Spirit will not ask you to do something you're not able to. And the blessings cannot be measured. And don't think that you are exempt from being employed by the Holy Spirit to further the cause of Christ in the world. God can use your talents and abilities, and even your perceived lack of them, to His greater purpose. It's not about how capable or holy you are, but how capable and holy God is. Please, take a moment and silently acknowledge your ability to live in the Holy Spirit, to respond to the guidance you receive from the Holy Spirit, and to let your light shine out into the world. All you need to do is begin with moments. Let those moments multiply into minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and eventually years. Practice being in the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
My prayer for you is that you will feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you will live in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that the light of Christ in your heart will shine out into the world to bless all mankind. Thank you so much for being here today and listening. I'm so grateful you tuned in. If you know anyone who needs to hear this message, please share it with them. And if you have any questions or comments about today's episode or anything in the Bible, please be in contact. The best way to get a hold of me is on my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Just click on the contact tab in the menu bar, and I'll be in touch. I look forward to hearing from you. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast or you haven't subscribed yet, I encourage you to do so on my website. Go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Just fill out the form and you're all set. And when you sign up, I'll send you a prayer guide I put together called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. It's my little way of saying thanks for being so supportive. And of course, you can listen to the podcast on any of the podcast apps, but when you sign up on the website, you'll get this prayer guide. As always, the quotes from the Bible in today's episode will be in the show notes on my website. You can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 172. This is episode 172. And if you're listening on a podcast app, the link for that will be in the description. I want to thank you so much again for being here and listening today and all the many ways you've been supportive. There have now been listeners to the Bible Speaks to You podcast in 157 countries. I could not do this without your help. You've shared the podcast. You've put the ideas into practice in your own lives. And I am so, so grateful. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care and we'll see you next time. God bless.